guys, how are you doing today? This is Pastor Marcus, uh, campus pastor at Rock Church Point Loma. The reason you're seeing me right now is that we are in the middle of our At The Movie series. And for copyright purposes, we can't show you the, uh, the, the footage that we're using. But we encourage you, do not miss out. It is a fantastic series, unlike any other we've done before. So I just encourage you to come to church, come to one of our five campuses, Bring your friends and family and enjoy. But I'm going to start off with just sharing with you a, a, a little story. And this story is about a guy by the name of Hosea. And Hosea is a guy that was willing to be used by God in someone else's life. And that's really what I want to chat about in the next few minutes is set out a challenge. Are you willing, am I willing to be used by God in someone else's life. So I want you to think about that as I'm sharing this story. So Hosea is a young man. He's a young preacher. Let's set the scene. It's probably around 750, 60 years before Jesus Christ. And he's a young Israelite. And Israel during this time is experiencing a great time of, of financially they're doing well. They're thriving. Lots of resources. But during this time of affluence and resources for them, they start to drift away from God. As a matter of fact, beyond starting, they're away from God's will. They are into debauchery, partying, uh, sexual immorality. On top of that, they're serving other gods. Now, this is God's people. These are the Israelites. These are the Jewish people who are far away from God. As a matter of fact, they've gone so far not only to adopt other people's gods, but as far as human sacrifices. So they're in a real, real spiritually dark time, even though on paper it looks like they are thriving and they're prospering. And, you know, a lot of times that's how our lives are, you know. A lot of times when things may be rough or we're in a difficult time when we know we need God, it's a lot easier to cling to Him. It's a lot easier to pursue Him. And I know for me, at least it isn't. But when things are easier, when things are smoother, uh, we don't really need God as much. We're not trusting him. Well, well, this is what's going on with Israel. And during this time, this young preacher is sharing with them and, and letting them know of their wrongs and telling them and imploring them to come back to God, come back to God's ways. And you know what? They're just ignoring him and ignoring him. And his heart was broken. And of course, not only was his heart broken, but God's heart was broken. Matter of fact, it was so broken that he had a chat with Hosea. Now, I'm sure it was a conversation that Hosea didn't anticipate. And he told Hosea, this young, godly man, this is what I want you to do, Hosea. I've got a mission for you. Now, this mission that God had for Hosea is the same mission we have today. It may look differently. It may sound differently. There may be different elements involved. But ultimately, God wants to use you. God wants to use me to help people out, to show them love, to be used by him for his glory. But check it out. Here's what was Hosea's mission. He said, Hosea, what I want you to do, as a matter of fact, let's read it right here. So this is found in Hosea chapter 1, and I'm just going to pick it up at verse 2, and he says this, When the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, 
for the land has committed great harlotry, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblium. So God tells him this. This is the mission I have for you, young godly man, young preacher. Go find a woman of harlotry. Go find a woman that's promiscuous and marry her. Oh, man, that's difficult. This guy is following God, and God gives him that message. And, and, and for me, maybe it's just me, not only was it bad enough that he called him to marry this promiscuous woman, but to make it worse, her name was Gomer. Okay, maybe it's just me, but I'm like, Lord, really? She's promiscuous and her name's Gomer? That's taking things too far. But that's what God called him to do. So he went and he found Gomer. He fell in love with Gomer, I'm sure, and he took her as his wife. The story goes on and talks about the children they had. So here he is, I'm sure, falling in love with her or at least treating her in a godly way. My wife and I have been married 17 years and we have four kids. And I know the times that we've gone through birth and the kids have have joined our family. It's been overwhelming joy and it's increased my capacity to love my wife exponentially. And here he is, Hosea, with his wife serving her, being a godly example, being a godly man, having kids. And I'm sure at this point he's kind of figuring, okay, Lord, I get it now. I see why you wanted me to do this. Well, I'm so glad I followed and listened to you. And sure, it was hard to marry this woman. And sure, it was difficult the problems that came with it. But wow, now we've got four kids and she loves me and this is great. But the story doesn't end there. Gomer decides to be unfaithful. She decides to go back to her old ways. And she leaves Hosea. She leaves Hosea and the kids and she goes back to become a woman of harlotry as a matter of fact she became a slave she sold herself into slavery so now how does this fit in Hosea's plan you know so many times God's going to ask us to do something and it's not going to be easy and Hosea had to wrestle but Lord I've already gone through it Lord, I've already pursued her. I've been a godly husband, and yet she has left me. And God was setting all this up, guys, to set up a parallel, basically, between Hosea and his unfaithful wife, Gomer, and himself, God, and his unfaithful people, the Israelites, and nowadays, us. So many times God pursues us and chases us and has us and provides for us and cleanses us, but yet us as unfaithful people decide to leave God. So now this is Hosea in this predicament, and God gives them another mission, which is what I want you to do now is Hosea, is go after her, pursue her. Again, as a matter of fact, go buy her back. Wow. Can you imagine that? But he does it, and he's faithful. And he goes, and he goes, and he buys her back. And I can imagine him knocking on that door, meeting eyes with her and negotiating with her owner to redeem her and get her back. And he receives her back once again. And we know it's just a parallel, you guys, for us drifting away from God time and time again. And yet, 
He pursues us with a relentless love. He pursues us with a ridiculous love and patience. And this is what Hosea did for Gomer, and they were reunited. He is a great example, not only for me as a husband, but just as a believer, as a man pursuing God to understand the depths of how God not only pursues us, how he pursues me, but how he wants me to be used to bring life to others. In fact, how he wants you, who's listening right now, to be used in the life of others. And we know that presents certain challenges, you guys. When you decide to be used in other people's life, we'll take a look at three quick ones here. First of all, when you decide to do that and be obedient, it's going to bring problems. It's not going to be easy. Imagine your uncle Hosea talking to his family, that I'm sure was a godly family, explaining to his dad and his mother about this wedding and who she is. Could you imagine what they told him? What about his friends? You know, godly guys hang out with godly fellas. And could you imagine him chant with this guy, say, hey guys, I got, um, you know, I got some news. I'm engaged. Like, yeah. Who is it? Gomer. Gomer? Yes, Gomer. Right? Can you imagine the problems that happened? The rejection he faced. But yet he pushed that all aside to pursue what God called him to do. And you know what? If you're going to decide to be used in people's lives, you're going to have problems. It's going to be difficult. But are you willing to go through those problems hand in hand with them? Are you willing to go through the difficulties with them and put aside your pride and put aside those other things to pursue them with love like God has pursued you? Well, we know not only does it come with problems, you guys, but it also comes with pain. The moment that Hosea heard from Gomer that she was leaving him again or leaving him, man, I can't imagine how that felt. As I shared earlier, my wife and I have been married 17 years. And when my wife and I are on the same page, I feel like I'm Superman. When I have her support, I feel like I can take on the problems of the world. But now and then when those hiccups come and there's disagreements or arguments or fights or whatever you have, whatever you have it's difficult. And those times are dark for me. And those times are hard for me. And those times are full of pain. Can you imagine the pain that young Hosea had when his wife left him? You know, if you're going to decide to invest in somebody, not only are you going to have problems, but rest assured it's going to come with pain too. Pain of the heart, pain of your mind, pain of your spirit. Because for you to love somebody, you have to give your heart to them, and it's a risk. But that's what God has called us to do. And he knows about pain, sending his son to die for us, to take on our pain. But yet, he did it. He went through the pain, but he decided to pursue her yet again. He saved up his money, and he went and he bought her back. He did not give up. And the third point is, not only if you decide to be used by God in people's life, are you going to go through problems? Are you going to go through pain? But lastly, you need to be persistent, guys. Can't give up. Can't give up. 
decide to go through it, whether it's with your child or your family member or for your wife or for somebody randomly you meet off the street that God has put in your heart to pursue them with his love, you have to be persistent. We see that Hosea not only was persistent to have Gomer fall in love with him, persistent to treat her in a great way, but after she left him, he pursued her and he stayed on top of the journey of saying, God, I will be persistent in loving her. Who's in your life that's difficult? Who's in your life that you know God has called them there and called you to them, but it's just so hard? I want to encourage you, don't give up. I want to encourage you to stay the course. I want to encourage you to let God use you in their life, even though it comes with problems, even though it comes with pain, and even though you need to be persistent, I encourage you to do so. And of course, all this is one bigger story to illustrate God's love for us, that even though he came and he made us and he created us, we in all of our own ways have left him and gone astray. And that breaks his heart. We've played that role of Gomer, of being the harlot, of being the adulteress, of leaving God who gave us everything and pushing him aside and giving ourselves to the world. And yet he did not stop there. He loved us so much with a relentless love that he sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins, to pay the cost of all the things that we've done wrong. And sure, it came with problems with Jesus. We certainly know it came with much pain, so much pain, that dying on the cross, they created a word for it, excruciating. You hear cruce in there, right? Excruciating cross. Cruce means in Spanish, the cross. Excruciating pain that he went through for you and me. But we know that he was persistent and still persistent to this day. So my encouragement to you is to allow God to use you in someone's life. Lord, I thank you so much for this time, God. I just pray that whoever heard this message would be willing to be used by you to help people even though it comes with problems, pain, and needs persistence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, guys. May God bless you. Hope to see you at church. Tell your friends at the movies. God bless you. Have a great day. The Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. What's foolish about the gospel for some is that a holy God would die for sinful people and transform their lives. He takes the mess we've made of our lives and turns it into something amazing. But what also seems foolish is that God uses flawed and broken people like you and me to be part of it. Today's challenge is that you would allow God to use you in someone's life. But there are four things you're going to have to do. Number one, you're going to have to allow your life to be interrupted. Your schedule is God's schedule. Two, you're going to need to allow that person to step into your world as well. You must be willing to step into their world. Number three, you can't worry about what you have or don't have in common with that person. And number four, what God plans to do in both your life and that person's life is much, much bigger than you could ever imagine. 
My prayer is that you are challenged today to allow God to use you in the transformation of someone's life. Enjoy the movie. Did you know that you can measure your faith by measuring how quickly and completely you obey what God tells you to do? James 1.18 says, Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. If God is going to use you to help someone, you must be willing to act spontaneously by faith and allow God to radically interrupt your life. God is going to speak to you in the moment and ask you to do something in the moment. It may go against much of what you have learned, but you need to, in that moment, trust God enough to follow his lead. That's what living by faith is all about. That's how God is going to use you in a powerful way in someone's life. So the first step is to be faithful in the little things God is asking you to do. Being faithful in the little things is preparation for faithfulness in the big things. If you're faithful in the little things, the big steps of faith that are scary today won't be scary when God asks you to do them. When Jesus was born, God became a man and actually entered into our world. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He took on our human form and all the drama and pain associated with it. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He not only came into our world, but he invited us into his world to have a personal relationship with the Father. If God is going to use you to change someone, you must first be willing to invite them into your world. You can't do this with everyone, but the more intimate the relationship, the deeper the impact. This is why the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts. He touches us in the deepest way possible to bring about an entire transformation of our lives. But it doesn't stop there. You must also be willing to step into their world. The more in touch you are with their world, the better you can understand the context of their pain. You will learn how life has hurt and scarred them. Only then can you have true compassion. You see, pity looks down at pain, but compassion gets down and sits with that pain. Compassion is educated pain, and you can best have compassion when your world and their world collide. This is the power of being in a small group where God places 10 or so people in a room that all become part of each other's lives and become an encouragement to each other. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to join one. It's those groups that make the big church small and intimate. I also want to encourage you to take our four-week life class and find out how God has designed you. This will help you know how to best help the people he sends into your life. One of the biggest lies of the devil is that if you're not a drug addict, you can't help a drug addict. If you haven't been abused by your husband, you can't help someone as a domestic violence victim. If you've never been arrested, you can't help an ex-con. Those lies have prevented so many of you from helping hurting people. The only thing you really need to have in common is an understanding of pain, the heaviness of a broken heart, a desire to share the love of God. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Whether you've been robbed, beat up, lied to, or betrayed, what is common is a broken heart a need to be affirmed and loved by God. I know that God has been speaking to all of you about helping someone. He has given you a burden for someone, and you start thinking about how you can help, and then you talk yourself out of it. You start hearing voices telling you you don't know enough, you haven't had the right experiences, you grew up in the wrong neighborhood, and all those are lies. 
I've never seen a woman walk onto the field of football practice and teach a lineman how to block, but it happened because she obeyed God in the moment. But I have seen countless people speak from the heart about what they know and make a huge impact on people's lives. The key to God using you is not what you know, but who you know. It's not about what you can do, but what he can do through you. It's not about your strength, but your weakness. The Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to challenge you to simply say what you have to say. Do what God puts in your heart and don't underestimate how far small acts of kindness, compassion, and love can go in someone's life. It's so important to know that when you invest in someone, the plans God has for that person and you is much, much bigger than you can ever imagine. You might be planning on just praying for someone when in fact God is going to use it to convince them that he still loves them. You may be thinking, I'm just going to give someone a word of encouragement, but God is going to use that to steer them into rehab. You might feel led to anonymously buy someone a meal when in fact that's all that was needed to convince them not to kill themselves. When someone gives their life to Christ, there is no way possible they can imagine the enormity of the blessing that awaits them. I'm sure the Tuies had no idea when they made Big Mike part of their family that he would end up being a first-round NFL draft pick. You have no idea how your life would change if you joined the family of God. And you do that by believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior. John 1.12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. Just as Michael's new life started when the Tuies took him into their family, Jesus is inviting you into his family, the family of God. And it's as simple as A, B, C. First A, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Second B, believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible also says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And finally, see, confess. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you believe those things and would like to ask Jesus Christ to be your savior and you would like to enter the family of God, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and repeat after me. But as you pray, you must believe these things to be true. You must believe that God loves you and he's willing to forgive you and forget everything you've ever done and accept you as his child. So just pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that the penalty of my sin is death. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he died and rose from the dead for my sin. I confess Jesus as my savior. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin and surrender my life to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you prayed that prayer. Jesus said if you're ashamed of him before man, he's going to be ashamed of you before his father. This is the time 
to state publicly and declare publicly that you are giving your life to Jesus Christ, that you are entering the family of God. So when I count to three in whatever campus you're in, I'm going to ask you to stand and there's going to be somebody there to pray with you. So I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to be your savior, I just want you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.